name is Brandon, and I'm one of the, the leaders here at Ethos. I'm typically over at Marathon, so I'm so glad to be here with you this morning. Um, we're going to do something a little bit different um, during this portion of our worship. And so if you're new here to Ethos, um, most weeks during this time, we open up the scriptures and we have a time of teaching just in the Bible. But today we want to do something a little bit different because of a special kind of occasion. And so back in 2011, um, we first got introduced to some amazing men and women over in eastern India. Um, this man named P.S. Day and his wife, Sharbani, and their son, Pushpam. And P.S. is co-laborer and co-advancer of the kingdom, this woman named Jayshree Francis. And, and Ethos got connected with them back in 2011. And so today, um, they are here with us all the way from Kolkata, India. And, and so what we're going to do in the teaching time is instead of having a time of teaching the word, they're going to come up here and we're just going to ask them some questions and, and, and to give us a chance to hear about some of the cool things that God is doing in Eastern India to help kind of expand our heart for the global church, um, for what God's doing all over the world, and hopefully just to inspire us to, to live more fully into the calling that God has for us here in Nashville. And so will you help me? Welcome, um, P.S. and Jay Shree as they come up front this morning. All right, I think y'all are ready to go. So it's it's very hot in India. If you've ever been to India before, and it's um, it's nice outside right now, but they flew in on Friday night and it was really cold. And I'm like, oh no, this is not going to be good. And so um, it's 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 nice that the warm weather has come and made its way here for us for a little bit. Um, you know, I I didn't know too much about India in, until last year. I got to go on a trip with uh, a couple of people from our church family. And, and maybe you've heard about some of the cool things that God is doing there. Maybe this is your very first Sunday, and you're like, I didn't know we even had a partnership with India. And so today's going to be a lot of fun. But I want to just uh, let them, I want to tell you a little bit about who they are, and then just let them just kind of share. And so, um, you know, I, I hope that each of you get the, tr- the opportunity to go and visit Kolkata, to go and visit them someday. Um, the, the thing that stands out to me about my time there last year is just their hospitality. Like, the, their lives were pushed were put on pause for us. And the way that they loved us and honored us and took care of us while we were there, and it just spoke so much of the way that Jesus values people. And I saw it in them firsthand. I think about the way that they love the Lord, the way that they love the people that they're serving, their church, the way that they love the kingdom, their humility, their courage. You're going to hear some about some of that today. And, and, and so I could talk about them personally for a long time, but, but I also want us to get an understanding of just the scope of what they're doing. And so they lead eight churches that um, all over the Kolkata area, hours apart. Um, every day they're, they're helping um, six, 700 kids find a healthy meal to eat every day. And they'll talk a little bit about that as well. These kids that, that are not receiving any education, you know, it's not like in America where every kid gets to go to public school. It's not the same in India. If you don't have money, you don't get to go to school. And so they're, they're sending hundreds of kids to school every year. They built these dream homes for girls and for boys that are at risk to, to go and to stay as a place to pull them out of toxic, toxic environments so they can thrive, so they can come to know the Lord. They're, they're doing this work for, for women, uh, vocational training, giving them things to do to make money to provide for the family. And I just look at, at what they're doing and I'm going, it's unbelievable. But I know that it didn't start that way, right? That day one, it wasn't eight churches, hundreds of kids being fed. And so, um, you know, take us back to the beginning. What was it that, that God was doing in your heart that made you want to start 
um, what is now SEED. And SEED is just the, the umbrella for all that they do. The churches, the feeding, the vocational training, it's all um, called SEED. And so take us back to the beginning. What was God doing in your heart? Um, we both were working in Compassion. And in 2005, uh, we went to a conference uh, called uh, Advancing Leadership Skills for Evangelism. And that's the first time we started thinking about we are doing so much. We are in ministry. We are doing Christian work. But what am I doing personally to advancing God's kingdom? So that made both of us uh, start thinking. And uh, we started praying that that was a 10 days uh, time. And we every day we started praying to God that God, what you want us to do? Just not to be a part of a ministry, just not being uh, in a comfort zone, but what you want us to do as a personally, as uh, a human, uh, that we could advance uh, the uh, kingdom. And uh, we came back, but after that we were very busy uh, in our normal schedule, and we, were, we forgot about all these things, and we were back to our normal work. But um, I think that 10 days, very sincerely, we prayed every day. So God heard. I mean, though we forgot about it, but that prayer, God didn't. So in 2009, he started showing a slum. We both used to go to our different timings because it's a different route, but that was on the way, the slum. And God, in a different time, spoke to both of our hearts that why can't you do something starting from the slum, advancing the kingdom for me. And that, that was uh, the time we started thinking about um, what God you want us to do. And uh, he didn't show us uh, everything together, but uh, just uh, we felt that he's calling us uh, to do something which he has instilled for us. So we just obeyed. And we started uh, just one step at a time. We started doing it. In a sense, we left compassion and started working with the children. Um, that time, none of them were going to school, and they were in despair needs. So we started with them with the physical. But I think after prayer, uh, ultimately, we, uh, we were very much assured that God is telling us the talents that he has given us is not, not to just have a job, not to do something which can give us uh, money, but to advancing a uh, kingdom for him. So that's how it was not so easy uh, for us to just leave a comfort zone and just say yes to God and just to follow because he didn't show everything at a time. He just, he just showed one step at a time, and we didn't know even what is coming next from where the things will come. But, I mean, we are so grateful to God that we obeyed that day. Because if we wouldn't have obeyed that day, we wouldn't have seen uh, this day. Uh, I mean, we are so thankful that God is using us uh, to bringing change in so many people's lives. The change when we, are, we talk, it's not a change uh, only physically, economically, socially, but it's a holistically, and the spiritual side is the prime uh, things that I think we, we feel uh, that when we introduce someone to Christ, 
uh, that is the greatest thing that they can give in their life. Yeah, so, you know, P.S. and Jeshu are working for Compassion International in India. Many of you maybe sponsor kids through Compassion, or you've at least heard of it. And God starts stirring their hearts. They walk by the slums. I don't know if you've ever been um, in a third world country, if you have seen the slums. Maybe you've seen a video or a, a film about the slums, and it's just absolutely devastating. And so you are walking by this place that you've been by, right, hundreds of times. It wasn't like the first time, but there was something about that day that God started just to get your heart, and you realize, oh, we have to do something about this, right? that it's not okay that people are living like this. And so, you know, the, the, it's essentially, in the best way I could describe it for our context, it's just like a garbage dump that people are living in. Um, we throw up that first picture um, that we have, and so last year kind of took some pictures. So this is just a, a little glimpse of it. People just kept having makeshift homes in the middle of this um, place. Go to the next picture, and right in the middle of it is this amazing, there's this clean water well. And you know, Pius and Jay Cherie put it there. Like, they didn't dig it, right? But, like, that, this is the type of minds, this is the type of heart that, that there are 800 or 1,000 people. How many people do you say live in? 800 people live in the slums. They're living in this, and you can talk a little bit about like conditions in just a minute. They're walking um, a, a mile and a quarter just to get clean water. And so their thought is, we've got to do something about this. We've, it's not okay that people are living like this. And so we just describe some of what life is like for people that live in the slums. Uh, so in, the, in slums, there is no electricity. Uh, there is no uh, clean water. And uh, there is like the people stay just under the plastic sheets. So they will just put four bamboos and then just like the plastic sheds and then like in each home uh, eight to ten people will live there is no toilets available um, there is uh, no good environment and uh, it's like they are in a desperate uh, situation yeah and so you know there they, all these people full of need in, in the middle of slums there's this water well go to the next picture I love this every day um, they are feeding hundreds of kids uh, a healthy meal. And, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but these kids would not be eating like healthy food without this. And so um, they'll get food that gets thrown away. Like, could you imagine like getting your food out of the dumpster? That's what life is like for many of the kids, or they just don't eat at all. And so seed comes along and they feed these kids. It's very modest meals, some banana and some vegetables and a piece of chicken or something like that. And, and these kids are being fed and they go to the next picture and then right in the slums. And so you have the water and you have the food and then you have this church, this building literally that they put right in the middle of a garbage dump. And I'm going, uh, tell us why you chose the slums of all the places. Like why the slums? Actually, we have started the program in the year 2009, but we have started the church in the year 2011. As we are working for the holistic development of the community, so, so far we have provided uh, taking care of their cognitive side, their physical side, as well as social emotional side. But without spiritual, the development part is not fulfilled. And as you know, the people who stays in the slum, their life is really miserable. Nobody loves them. Nobody taking care to them. And always, since from morning till night, all the men, they are surviving only with the alcohol. Because they thought that alcohol is their ultimate or this is their life. There's no entertainment for them. Then, though that nobody loves them, but we know that we have a best friend who Jesus loves them. 
most. Though nobody takes care of them, but Jesus is taking care of them. Alcohol is not the ultimate of their hope or in future, but the salvation. And through Jesus, they can get the ultimate hope and abundant life. Therefore, we thought that let us start a church and the church can change their life. Church can change from without hope to ultimate hope, from hatred to the love. So, yes. keeping all this in mind, we have started the church in the community and life is being transformed, started transferring from that stage. Yes, so, and so we were talking earlier today and even last year when we were in India that a lot of the men that live in the slums, their lives are just all about staying drunk. Like there is just this numbing effect. And we see that in our culture too, right? Like people are just so, you know, depressed and they just turn to alcohol. But it's, it's just different. I mean, it's, it's the same, but it's different. You know, like kids are just running around. The kids that, especially the girls, they're at risk for sexual just abuse. And it's so sad. And the boys, they don't have a dad. They don't have uh, moms are off working, making a living. The dads are drinking and, and, and spending all the money for the family. And so the boys are growing up and they're not having discipline. They're not being taught how to be men. And so they're stealing, right? And um, getting into all things that they couldn't be. But, but talk about what happens when the gospel, share that story that you shared earlier about what happens when, when Jesus starts to come into some of those broken situations. I think uh, that when, when they received Christ, the life started changing because uh, so far they have put the, their trust, their hope on something which cannot give them joy, which cannot give them happiness. So what happens is the men continuously drink, drink, and then when they come back home, there is a big chaos, there's domestic violence, even sometimes uh, the, they abuse their own daughters. So uh, the situation is really bad, and there's fights all the time, and the wife is the alone who is the domestic helper, who kind of uh, runs the whole family with the little money. But when these families, the same families are introduced to Jesus, they can see the life beyond this despair. They can see a life beyond uh, uh, what they, are, they can see. So the families, when they start knowing about Christ or they come to know about Christ, they, their, their life is slowly changed. I mean, the men started like stop drinking alcohol, or sometimes they stop all the abuse. And then, like, there's a, there's a family who had five children and the, the parents. So the first time, mother was so, so depressed and she didn't know what to do. So she started coming to our adult literacy class. And from there, uh, she uh, started knowing about Jesus. And then the, our, our pastor started going to her house and uh, are doing uh, like saying prayer for the families and said that you, if you have a hope and if you continue pray, then the things will change. And then one day she met the husband and asked, invited them in a church. So then both of them started coming to church. In, as they started coming to church, they started receiving the joy and happiness and peace, which they never felt before. So almost a year, as both of them started coming, God started working in their life and their, their life started changing. For them, putting their trust on something or depending on something, they started 
have kind of depending on Jesus and that made the things so much better. Then after one year, the husband and wife took baptism and their life was, it is not that the monetarily, uh, they have received so many things and what all the desires of their hearts were, everything were met, no, that was not. But they had so much assurance, joy and happiness and peace, especially like the peace which they received. They say that no matter what we get it here in this earth or not, but we know that there is a assurance that we have in heaven. And uh, as a, uh, after that, like the, all the five children before, they, they were also all under addiction, were not going to the school. All one by one were put in the schools. And uh, out of five, now four of them are in a boys, like two in boys' home and two in girls' home. And one is admitted in a school. So next year, she is going to go to um, a hostel. So we can see how God has taken this family and kneaded together, and they have a wonderful family. In fact, uh, this this time when there is a break of uh, from our hostel, this boy who first like their first uh, son, who never wanted to stay in a hostel because he had a better so-called better life in slum, now is saying that we do not, uh, I do not want to stay in a slum for this long, so I wanted to come. So now, actually, presently, three of the boys are staying in Piazza's home. They, they do not want to come back. And then the one daughter, she has, she's, a, she's the first one who said that I wanted to take baptism because I have seen in our family life, when Jesus came in our family, there's so much difference that, that came to our life there's so much peace, joy, and that we have the assurance of he heaven. So I wanted to take baptism. So just a week uh, before, when we had a spiritual retreat, she is the one who has taken baptism. Wow. So I hope that you're taking all this in. This is amazing. The just willingness to, to see people in need and to say, God, I'll, I'll do something about it. And... So these kids and these families are being literally put back together holistically, physically, and spiritually. A girl gets baptized. Did you just say you have three boys that were living in the slums that are living in your home? Is that what you just said? Yes. So you have three boys in your home, Shabani? I'm sorry about that. That's crazy. Like, you thought you got rid of your son, right? But, but no, that, think about this, that the type of people that are sitting right here in our midst, the, the kingdom advancers. Uh, the things that God is doing through them. And, and so we could talk about the slums all day, but the slums is just a portion of what you guys are doing. Like the, to expand the bigger picture, you know, one of the things that Nana and Brooks and I got to do last year when we were um, there is that all the churches get together once a year for the spiritual retreat. And so eight different churches come together. We go to the next picture um, and... and and then one more picture of what was so neat. So these churches, they come together and, and they're all in this one room. And, and there was just such a hunger for, for the Lord. There was just this desire to be together. And so uh, they, they would be sitting on the floor, you know, legs crossed and, and, and kids are sitting in the lap just paying attention. I'm like, I need to send my kids to India to be trained and then they can send them back like the, 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 that you guys have figured out how to like get your kids quiet. And, 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 and so they'd be in there for hours 
worship, just going after the Lord, Jay Sheree, just like calling people into worship and then Pius is preaching his heart out. And, and, and then, you know, it's just, it's just amazing. You're preaching your heart out, like watching them. And then they, they stop for tea break, which we need to adopt in our culture. Like we need tea time here. They thought, and then they come back and it's like, let's just get back in his presence again. And I'm telling you, there's just this hunger that it was so, and it's normal for you, but right in our culture, we're like, man, what time is it? It's like time for lunch. I got stuff to do. And there was like, you couldn't pull the people apart there. And we have so much to learn about the way that they value the Lord, the way that they value each other, that it took priority over everything else. And so, you know, you had this amazing picture of the followers of Jesus, but that's not the, the same in all of India, right? And so will you kind of speak into some of the, the religious climate, the, the Hinduism, and the way that it is affected, and the way that, what, what it looks like to be a Christian in a predominantly Hindu country? Uh, uh, well, uh, uh, being a Christian in a, in a country where it's a predominantly Hindus, are uh, when you, uh, first of all, they don't consider Jesus as uh, like their, their God. So they are still a foreign God. And when you start following uh, Christ, that means you do not have a connection because you are anyway uh, worshiping a foreign God. So I do not have any connection with you. So many times uh, following Christ means uh, no like complete rejection from the families, from the communities, from the friends. They will no longer value you. They will, they will no longer want to talk to you. And uh, many times there's persecution uh, because uh, of uh, someone is uh, following Christ. They, they will be persecuted. They will be um, threatened. They will be beaten. Uh, but I think uh, that uh, we want to be, uh, we see the, this as an opportunity and we could be a salt and light. So for us, being a Christian is salt and light because in a hopeless world, in a, in a hopeless, in a people who are hopeless and who had so many number of problems going on in their life and no one cares for them, no one values them, it is ultimately the Christians to whom they come uh, for the solutions or they can come and open their hearts up and they can talk to us, and then we can pray for us. The situation changes. So I think we see that as an opportunity. Um, though there is a difficulties, but there is an opportunity uh, to know, uh, to tell them about Jesus. Yeah, so, you know, the Hindu culture was, um, it's interesting. We live in a very, our culture, we're not, the Hindu influence isn't here, but, man, the, the secular influences. And we were even talking about this on the way here. They went to, to Broadway um, last night. And it was, you know, she said, it, she said, people are, are looking for things in all the wrong places. Like they're looking for joy. And, you know, it's kind of, we, we just get used to it, right? Like and you step into a new culture. And, and, and so I, you know, they're seeing what is like the the gap in our culture, and 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 I get to to step into India uh, and, and see the the way that the the Christians are are being treated and and mistreated, and um, you know you, you, 
P.S. and J. Shree are not first-generation Christians. Their, their parents were both um, followers of Jesus. And, but, so we kind of speak into that. P.S., what it was like for, for your dad when he became a Christian because he was the first one in your family to kind of turn out of this Hindu or whatever it was that he was in to, to the Lord Jesus. And we kind of talk about that and the implications for your family. Yeah, life, it, life is not very easy for them who have decided to accept Christ from Hindu community or Hindu religion. You know, the states where we are belongs to, not even 1% people are Christians. So those who have taken the steps to follow Jesus, the persecution is a part and parcel of their life. They have thrown out from the family. There's a tortured in different forms. People, if they accepted Christ, total community is rejected them. Even that community is not allowed them to take a water from the water tap. Many times they have disconnected the electricity. It's a happening every day who has decided to follow Christ, who have decided to carry cross in their life, dear friends. When my dad, when he has first decided to accept Christ, Though he has own home, my, my grandmom, my uncle, they have thrown him out from the house. So literally, he slept on the roads. But the good thing is, the people who have decided Christ, they are willing to pay the cost. They didn't deny Christ for the sake of the world. Because they know that we have a greater pleasure in heaven. The people who have decided Christ, every day they are paying the cost. The area where we have started the work in the year 2011, the tortured our people have faced since from the day one. The people came and asked us to stop the church. But we didn't stop. Our church is going on, but at the same time, the torture also is there. My wife sees here, she is the first person who has accepted Christ from the family with a teenage. She did not have home. She did not have job. But due to Christ, she left everything. But dear brothers and sisters, today I am here because of the blessings what I have received through my dad. Because of his sacrifice, because of his commitment, God has blessed us, our family, and today we are here. So, though the life is very hard, but we are happy to gone through this kind of situation because we know that we should be rejoiced when people say all the negative things, when people torture us because our reward is in heaven. This is the life is going on there. But we are happy to go through all these difficulties because one side torture, other side God is bringing more people in the, in the church and they are ready to take cross till the end of their life. Yeah. You know, I, I wonder how many of us, we have families where it's 
like you literally face separation because of our cost of following Jesus. I know that there's some of you in this room because I know you personally how it's kind of created a, a tension for you. Um, but you think about what we've kind of lost some in our culture where, um, man, we, we're, we're so much easier just to like, hey, let's just coexist and let's just be okay with what everyone believes. And, and you know, you said this line, we would rather, um, we would rather die than compromise. Like, um, and to think about the, the sacrifice that Pius' dad made, that all of them made, that Charbonne made when they said, hey, nothing is worth what Jesus is to us. Um, to, to be thrown out of your house, like your dad, to be kicked out of his house, to be living on the streets because of his commitment to Jesus. Can you even fathom that kind of like connection, that kind of love, that kind of belief that that, that is what is worth living for, right? And, and so, you know, it's, it's beautiful. Um, I wish I had the picture to, to up here. But when, when we were there last, um, last fall, Pius baptized his son, Pushpam. And, and so I think about, it's not his son, um, obviously, <laughs> but um, Pushpam, you look very different there, right? Um, but you can tell a story of, of this lady as well in a minute. But... Um, it, it was neat just seeing the generational impact of someone who takes the call of Jesus very seriously. So, you know, it starts with Pius's dad, and then it, it's easier for Pius because he's not going to face the pressure in his home to be followed. In, in fact, that the father, the mother are fanning into flame following Jesus. And that gets passed down. You know, Charbonne makes the choice to, hey, I'm going to follow Jesus. And because of that, they pave the way for their son to grow up in a home that's so countercultural where the love of Jesus is being talked about and there's prayer and there's the Holy Spirit. And I go, who knows what push pump's going to do in his life? And, and the generational impact of one person just saying, I'm going to stand for Jesus. You have no idea the way and uh, the, the way that God can, can work through that. And so, you know, I know that you could talk about persecution all day. Will you tell a little bit about her story? Because um, I think it was pretty fat, just the whole family dynamic there with her husband also getting yes. baptized. Uh, and so She actually, uh, her name is uh, Sunita, and she started, she actually joined as a teacher in our one of our uh, project center. But uh, our ultimate uh, motive for everything is to introduce Jesus because that's the greatest gift we can give to someone. Uh, so as she started teaching our children, we invited her to come to church. So she started coming and after some time, she started bringing her husband. And as a family, they almost four or four, five years, they were, they were coming, but it was so difficult for them to take the decision because they were very worried. Her husband is the only son. So he was worried about if my parents die, who will do the rituals for her or, or for him, like the parents, who, who will do the rituals? And they really started loving the Lord and they could, because they both of them are educated people. So they could see the difference of what they were worshiping, which is so uh, worthless which doesn't have a meaning, and here, uh, which has a relation. Jesus is asking to have a relation through prayer. Uh, everything started changing, but they, they were so uh, stubborn of uh, taking a decision of um, baptism because baptism means living, like disconnecting the relation with your family, everything. 
and our community. Everyone will talk so bad about you. They will just put false allegations and it's, it's tough. And unless one day, uh, the pastor, he, uh, Pastor Piaz, he um, asked both of them to come and started talking to them that what in your life worth more, whether it is your parents or whether it is uh, culture or receiving Christ. Because it is not only that you receive Christ in your heart, but baptism is a public declaration. But for you, baptism may not be uh, like that important. But for us, when people are baptized, this is they are proclaiming in front of everyone that today on, I am only following Christ. So for them, coming to that point, he has to like really talk to them. And finally, they came to a decision saying that no matter what, both, both of them are Hindus. So both of them are coming there. It cost, even now, they are, they are paying the cost. But they said that we wanted to follow Christ. And then last year, both of them have um, taken baptism and, and said that uh, we value in our life more than anything, more than our parents, more than our material, more than our friends. We value Jesus and we will take. So no matter what the people say, but we will follow Christ. Yeah. So that's what happened in their life. Yeah, a couple of things in that I wanted just to hear because it's really powerful. They said everything we're doing is about the gospel, right? That's, that's the, and it just, it just oozes out of them. And I go, is that the, do we live with that same intentionality? Like, or have we compartmentalized? Like when we go to work, when we're like at a restaurant, when we're drinking coffee, is it, is, is a driving force of our life. Man, everything we have to do is about the gospel because I see that in you, and, and it's true. And what was so neat about this moment, and, and she mentioned this, Jay Shree mentioned this, this lady's husband, um, you know, the, the oldest son, when, when the, the father and the mother die, he's the one that presides over the funeral. Like, he speaks at it. And by becoming a Christian, you lose that right. So can it essentially be like, you choosing to be a follower of Jesus means that you don't get to go to your parents' funeral. And I'm like, wow, the cost, the way that people are willing to, to endure for the sake of Jesus. And it's just amazing. So we could stay here all day, and, and you guys could just breathe on us and we'd be better people. Um, but but will, you, will, you, will you talk just real quick as we wrap up? What is it that you hope God does through your life? Like when you pass from this life, what do you hope to have done? As we are working, so our ultimate hope is we, are, we want to raise more Timothy. Because what we believe that God is giving baton in our hands. One day, everybody will die. But I want to pass the baton to my next generation, to the people who have taken baptism, to the people who is in Islam, but came to know Christ, take the decision throughout my whole life, I'll follow him. I want to pass the baton to him or to her. So we are in this running that race, really race field, dear brothers and sisters in Christ. This is my hope and my responsibility to hand over this baton to my next generation who can run and who can hand over the baton to the next generation? And one day we'll see all India is reached. Now we have 
not even have one person Christian. But this is my ultimate dream. I won't be there in this world. But one day, through seed, through sacrifice of the people, whole of my state, whole of my country will come to know saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Yeah. I love the vision that they have for their lives. That so often we think about what we want to do in our life. It's like, hey, what job are we going to get and where do we want to live? And it's all about us. And to hear P.S. and J. Cherie say, the thing that we want for our lives is that the good works that we've done, we've started, we want those things to keep going. We want the kids to keep being fed. We want people who have come to know Jesus to keep passing that forward. We want everyone to, to come to know saving knowledge of Jesus. And I go, man, what if, can we catch that glimpse of, of the kingdom? Can we catch that glimpse of Jesus, of, of, of what it looks like to lay our entire lives down for the kingdom? And so, you know, I, I want to just open it. We're going to take communion here in just a minute. And I want to invite you to, to share, as we break the bread, drink the cup, what, what spoke to your heart this morning? And then what is God inviting you to do with that? So as you take communion, share that with the people that you're with. And then I want to invite you, as, as you wrap up your like, communion time, to, to pray for our brothers and sisters in India, that they pray so much for us, that they love us so much, that, and, and, and for us to take this time and just to, to communally lift them up before the Lord. And so that would be amazing. And, but, but before that, will you just join me in thanking them for this morning, just for, for coming and sharing? And, and P.S., will you pray for us, for, for us as we kind of transition into communion? So before I pray, I would like to, on behalf of all our church members and the children, let me take the opportunity to express my gratitude to all of you for your support, for your love, for your prayer. What we truly believe that we cannot do anything by our own if you are not there, other side of the globe. We are the family member of one family. God has given us different responsibility. My responsibility, I born in India. My responsibility is for my own people. You born here and we are working for the same God. So thank you so much for your support. Thank you so much for your prayer, especially when you have gone through a tough time. Ethos was with us. So we are really grateful to you for your support and for your love. Thank you. We'll pray. Dear God, Heavenly Father, Lord, I do thank you and praise you the time that are given us, wonderful time spending with our own family member. Though we are very far, though everything is different may be, but we are serving one true God and we are the family member of one family, Lord. Lord, I am really grateful to you for our partnership that we got through you, through Jesus Christ, Lord. Lord, I commit each one of us unto your hand. As we will be living in this world, as long as we live, we can live for your glory. And when we will die, we can say, come and faithful servant, and we will give the reward from you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for everything what you have done, doing, and you are planning to do in our life. In Jesus' precious and holy name I pray. Amen. Amen.